Oh, the Mensch and the Machine podcast, episode zero, where we're still figuring out what the hell we're doing here. Um, exactly. So the idea behind this podcast basically came from Joe and I having multiple, multiple conversations of any of the self-help stuff or self-development things we are doing and the weird thoughts that get stuck in my mind. The most recent one was a line from Jordan Peterson where he says, uh, how do you know the problem isn't yours to solve? Meaning, why do you recognize the problems you do and not the problems that other people might see? What does that mean to you? And what what does that say about your state of mind if the, the, these problems you see and if you don't, why don't you solve them when you see them? I believe I said the other night that you're wired for certain types of problems because of your experiences and what you work with. And... For example, I work with computers, so I'm always looking for like power outages. I'm always looking for like, where's the weakness? Like, if I see a light flicker in the room, I wait for the power to go out. If I see a certain type of person in the checkout line, I know don't airplane. I know don't get behind that person or anything forever. Like, there's certain things I've learned throughout my life that I see that can be a potential problem that I avoid. So the problems you're seeing are based on a conditioning of your lifestyle. For me, it's kind of, I have a, I, I can't remember names, I can't remember, I can't remember names very well. I can remember numbers, I can remember faces, and I can remember places. I can remember the space of an organization to a weird degree of level where it's like, I've been in a room once and people say, hey, where is this thing? I can't find this thing. And I can say, oh, it's over there. And I know it's there. And it's one of those, hmm? make sure you talk close to I'm sure. One of, and it's one of those things where, I don't always understand why I see the things I do, but I can see the disorganization in a room and I always understand when things are out of place. So, like, I'm working on a project for work right now where I'm categorizing data. And the problem was we have data come from multiple manufacturers. Multiple manufacturers are not going to call everything the same thing. So I devised a way of using a script with a list of words to go through and tag things that it understands and things it doesn't ta understand to put that in another bucket and then use some other libraries to try and get the root word of that word so like if you see the word volts or voltage or whatever they all get grouped together under one root word so the way I looked at the problem was totally different than the way the other guy looked at the problem he wrote a proof of concept in a spreadsheet which was a nightmare and I wrote some Python code in about six hours to do the same thing, which is actually more efficient. But from like a self-development standpoint, what does that mean for, as you examine your own brain, your own way of thinking, what does that say about how you see the world? How does that, how does that reflect upon you and what you're seeing in the world and what problems you should be solving that you're not, maybe not solving that you just look at and you'd be like, well, here's a problem. But that's not my problem. So, when I'm doing a task, I've learned a long time ago, there's always a finesse, there's always a trick, there's always a way to do things to make it easier and to figure out when things are going okay. An example was when I used to um, sh use a shovel and I'd try and dig. Well, they've got that little indentation on the top that if you step on it, it allows you to get a better grip. Most people just use a shovel and they'll just dig into the ground, but they don't use their body weight to dig into the ground. 
but like that's the first time I realized that everything you learn how to do, there's a trick to it to to make it easier. I actually have a a parallel story to that. I was in the barbershop when I was a kid, and they, these old guys were talking as they used to do. I don't know if they still do it or not, but the guy said there was a right and a wrong way to do every task. He said even digging ditches, there is a right and a wrong way to do it. The people that do dig ditches professionally have a better way to do it than you as somebody that doesn't do it. Exactly. Like, there's an example of, like, I used to go to, I used to install wireless networks in people's houses for CompUSA back in the day. And my first wireless network took me an hour and a half. Now it's down to, like, 10, 15 minutes. And all the problems that I know to look for, I know the tasks to do to make sure those problems don't happen. Like, prime example, a friend of mine needed their Wi-Fi, all their stuff, Comcast stuff replaced. And... I set everything up, but I couldn't do the Wi-Fi because I needed their, their login. Well, instead of making the network the same as they had before, they changed the password. So now every device has to be changed. And because they didn't know that, they had, to go through, they had all these issues with certain devices because the devices didn't see the right network. But, like, my experience tells me, if there was a previous network, just make everything the same as it was before. And then you don't have to do any of that extra work. So do you see your, your ability to see problems is from an organizational standpoint? Like, you can look at it from a higher viewpoint than most other people can because you can see the problems that are going to come later on. So, I always talk about how my we just did a thing for work where they're talking about Agile. And we had to do a profile where we had to do a thing where it's like, here's, your, here's my picture, here's what I do, here's my superpower. One of my superpower, I said abstract problem-solving problem skills. Because when I look at a problem, I don't just look at the problem. I look at the type of problem. Like when I'm trying to solve a, solve a problem, I always look at it and say, okay, let's take a step back. Here's the problem, but actually this is similar to another problem. How would I solve that similar problem, and how can I apply that to this problem? So I'm always like trying to take a step back out and look at the problem from another point of view. Like, let's say for example, you're changing a tire, and you're trying to get the bolts off. Well, the bolt's stuck, so what do you do? Well, what do you normally do when a bolt's stuck? You could get some WD-40 or something to, like, loosen the bolt. Some PB buster. Exactly. So, almost... Not a sponsor yet. <laughs> but basically, anytime there's a problem, you got to try and get... You have to look at the problem and say, is the problem seeing the actual problem, or is there something else? Again, so, uh, as you and I have talked about before, it's... Uh solve the problem not what you think is the problem what is the real problem what's the root of the problem my first my internship and in, was you need symptom signal and i had i don't know how but i had the, i had the, the unique opportunity to actually rewrite a class it was a mixture of c and c plus plus they wanted it all to be c plus plus because it was that old well i was having problems with the program and where i was having the problem was the actual problem i'll never forget the guy told me no, you got to turn the warning levels, as he said, you have to turn the screen factor all the way up. Anything that doesn't look right, you need to get flagged because that might be causing a problem. And sure enough, it wasn't the line I was working on. It was a, it was a couple lines before that that broke something. And because that broke something, it broke things down the line. So by having all the warnings turned on and fixing all the problems that were even a warning, not a fatal error, I was able to fix the problem that was a fatal error. So I always take that to heart of, okay, I've been busting my head against this, one, this, this part of the problem. There's probably another piece of this problem that I'm not looking at. 
but from like a less granular look at this where we're talking about things that are day-to-day happening to us i mean what are what are some examples of problems that you see that you you don't act on and you say this isn't my problem i mean the, the great example that always comes to mind is you can tell the quality of a person by what they do with a shopping cart in the the parking lot if they see a shopping cart do they return to the car stand they just leave it where it is where do they put theirs it's they're saying it's kind of an idea of uh saying how does this person think they fit into society society to serve them or they to serve serve society so as i also say i relate to a lot of things in video games and gaming and whatnot i always say i'm a support class character i'm not a leader character because i'm the guy that cleans things up i'm the guy that does all the all the odd jobs there was a time one time I went to a party and something got spilled and everyone just ignoring and doing whatever. And I got a, a broom and a, and a bus dustpan. I started cleaning it up. It wasn't my job to do. But, like, if I clean that up, it makes it easy for everybody else. Like, for me, certain problems I'll just tackle because I don't want to deal with it later. Which brings to mind, to me, the idea of... Um, you see this in, in Japanese schools where the students have to clean up the classrooms. There's no janitor in the school, so they're, they're taught from a very young age that they're responsible for their space. Mm-hmm. That space, at the end of the classes and everything, the end of the school day, they have to go back and clean it. They have to do the mopping, they have to do the dusting, they have to do all of that. I think we, we lose a little of that in uh, our country, in our society, where people are expecting a lot of time for someone else to do it. There is a guy that comes to collect their carts, which leads us to having people like Aldi, where you pay 25 cents for your cart and... You get that 25 cents when you return the cart, so they don't have to hire somebody to return the cart. Yeah, I mean, I I usually, when I go shopping, I take, like, when I go to all these, I take my own bag, and I fill the bag, and then I empty the bag. And, like, I just went the other day, and the guy said, just hold the bag open for me. And that dude filled that bag faster than I could ever imagine possible. But, again, he's been trained, and he knows how to do that stuff. He's had enough experience to know how to, like, optimize the bag to put everything in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, where do you think we are lacking as a society on problems that we see that we are saying these aren't my problems to solve? Versus where a lot of times I think now we're on the other end of the spectrum where people are seeing things that aren't their problem to solve, but they're saying I'm going to solve this. The problem is people don't know how to do anything anymore. Everything's been done for us pretty much. Like. The reason, like for example, I bought a I bought a brand new car in 2007, and I basically never did the oil changes because I didn't want to screw it up. I was worried I was going to break my new car by doing something wrong, so I would just pay to get my oil changed. And like currently, my car my car is now is six years old. I finally paid it off last year, but like I'm the point now where like if I screw it up, I'll just it's not that big of a deal. But I know how to change the oil. A lot of people don't know how to change the oil because it wasn't been something to do it for them. There's always services to make our lives easier, and our lives become too easy. Like, nobody knows how to repair anything. Like, growing up with my parents, like, I learned how to do fix everything in the house. Oh, well, we've got a broken stairwell. Well, let's replace the step. Oh, well, we've got a busted pipe. Cut the pipe out, put a new pipe in. Oh, well, the electrical thing doesn't work. Okay, replace the wiring. Like, from, from top to bottom, I can pretty much do everything in the house because growing up, we never called anybody to repair anything. We did it all ourselves. And my dad always told me either you pay someone to do it or you do it yourself. And, like, that's one of the reasons I'm such a cheapskate, because, well, I'm going to blow my money on something I can do myself and know it's done right. 
and then spend that money on something I want to spend it on compared to paying some contractor who's going to do it half-assed and then cover up a problem. Yeah, but there's a problem with your labeling there of calling yourself a cheapskate because it's, you're not a cheapskate. You're doing the the correct thing. You're being very conscious of your money. If you can but, do something yourself, then why would you? If you can do something yourself and you could do it in a timely manner, then why would you pay somebody else to do it? And that's not like to say you're paying somebody to do your dishes because you don't want to do your dishes. I mean, you could do that. But, but the, is it? the other side of the coin, too, is what is your time worth? Right. A lot of people will say, well, if you make, say you make $30 an hour, is it really worth $30 an hour to do your own dishes is what some people will say. And I disagree. Like, I'd rather just do my dishes and be done with it. I mean, you buy a dishwasher and that's the cost of it. You, know? mm-hmm. you might have to upkeep that dishwasher, but there's that. Um, the other side of that fence is the idea of if you pay a contractor to do something and they don't do it right, then you have to do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, is it worth it knowing that it was done the way you wanted it to be done versus being done the way somebody else wanted it to be done and you not knowing it? Like one of the things I also like, I like knowing how things work. I like being able to take care of it myself because half the time things break. It's not during business hours and you're going to pay for off business hour calls. Right. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the, the Jocko idea of why he wakes up in the morning and he works out as early as he does because when something goes wrong in his house, he has that time to fix it versus like trying to be like, oh, well, I got to fix this or I got to work on my workout or I got to do this other thing. It's like he's got that extra time for himself. But back to the idea of like what problems you see and why you see them, like do you think that the reason you see your problems is you come, from the, come to them from a mechanical perspective based on the way you were raised? Well, I think it's it's all. Sometimes you don't know what a problem is until something goes wrong. Like, for example, we've been talking about high blood pressure. Like, it's a, my I saw my mother. She gets the it's a silent killer. Like, I had no clue my blood pressure was higher than it was supposed to be. But I started changed my diet and changed my exercise, and I've been bringing it down. And like, I feel no different. But the numbers are better, and I know that from a scientific standpoint, those numbers should be in a certain range for you to be healthy. Right, and I, I would say from my perspective on the health and wellness spectrum is that you won't, you won't necessarily know because the, 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 the step of progress is slow on that, that you won't know that you feel better, but you'll know if the scale stood backwards, you say, I feel worse. Yeah. Like you'd notice like, you know, a throbbing in your head when your blood pressure is high or something like yeah. that. And but then again, you got people who have cancer that's gone all through their body, and the only time they find out is because they got a cough or something. That's uh, that's uh, my mother-in-law. She's got a problem like that, and she's never really felt sick. It's like, but like, there's identifying problems, and there's not being identified problems. Like, there's certain problems. Like, I'm driving my car. Like, I hear a certain noise. I'm like, that's not normal. That sounds like it's a transmission, or that sounds like it's a thrown rod. But I, I think Jordan Peterson's comment was more to speak to your calling to a higher purpose in life is saying, like, what what problems do you see and why do you see them and what that might mean to giving meaning to your personal life versus just saying, like, yeah, I see these, these this is, you know, I see this floor that needs swept or this step that needs fixed. I see these other things that I can do to fix things that make my life meaningful to me. So the higher power thing, 
I mean, I've come to the conclusion the past couple of years, everything happens for a reason. Like, everything that I've gone through, like, I used to do work for CompUSA, and I used to get lost trying to find places. But now, 15, 20 years later, I know exactly where I am in the down in Pittsburgh and stuff, and I know how to get around. Like, I recognize streets. But, like, it's like that line from Batman Begins, why do we fall down? To learn how to pick ourselves back up. Like... We sometimes never know the purpose of what we're doing until years down the road. There's so many projects I've worked on for work that I'm like, oh, well, that was kind of cool. And then, like, years later. Actually, perfect example. I went to a job interview back in 2004. And um, I used to love those logic puzzles that they gave us in high school. At least in my high school, we had these logic problems in some of the science class for extra credit. And they had a some kind of it was like some kind of aptitude test to see how smart you were. And every question on that test, I already had before, so I knew the answer. I was the first one done, and I was correct. Because I remember the answers to all the questions, because either I got them right in the past, or I figured it out. And that's why I got the second round interview, was because I had that that experience. All those people had to figure that stuff out on the fly, but I already had basically had a cheat, cheat sheet for it. Like, I never knew that those were going to come back to help me later on in life in a job interview. So, like, we don't always know what... What? Why we're doing things? Just you just gotta go. Just get through what you're doing and hope for the best. Right, and that's kind of what you and I were talking about earlier about the uh, OE of little faith thing. The uh, I think I'm probably wrong on it. I think it's from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's from the Bible where they talk about uh, if you accept the kingdom of God and you aim yourself towards the highest good, then everything else will be taken care of for you, and you just have to have faith in that good outcomes will happen to you. Um, for my example, like I lost my previous job, I knew it was coming, but it happened and it sucked. And then I got a way better job, way better freedom, way better money. Everything good came from that, you know, knock on wood. But, you know, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. And as, as I was being escorted out of the building by the HR guy from that previous job, he said, you know, sometimes God shuts a door and opens a window. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was past the security at that point. I turned back and looked at him like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you even saying? Like, but apparently he was right. Well, like, I lost my job at the school district. They didn't renew my contract because the one was scared to take her job. I didn't want her job. I wanted the same job I had. Like, I'm, I'd be happy the same thing for the next 20 years as long as the paycheck is stable. I don't care. Work is not that important to me. But I lost that job with the recycling company, and I got some e-commerce commerce experience, and that's what got me this job. I lost that job because they set some goals that would never be met, basically set me up to fail. And then all the stuff, like with the e-commerce stuff I studied that year, benefited me in the interview I had for this current job I have. And now I'm sitting here writing Python scripts to do, like, process data. And, like, I never knew this would, this would be, like, the thing I'd want to be doing in 10, 15 years from before. Like, last, the Sunday of last week, or this current week, was my five-year anniversary at Wesco and seven-year anniversary of me getting left of the school district. And, like, I've got work from home now. I've got 20 days of vacation a week, a year now, because I've hit the five-year mark. Like, everything's great. I've taken a ton of days off this year already, and i still got another 96 hours left. Yeah, so let me ask you this, this question, okay? How far from where you were when you were, say... A teenager, your your early twenties, the first half of your life, basically, they 
to now, how much differential is there and how much have you come back around to where you were, where you initially were thinking you were when you were a teenager? So when I was a teenager, I had no clue what I was going to do. Like, I, I remember going to college. I went for graphics communications because I didn't really want to do programming. I loved the programming classes. I'm like, yeah, don't really want to do that. So I went to graphics communication thinking, oh, I'll do desktop publishing. That'd be great. Well, that guy that was basically a crack, a cokehead, he had a long, like, pinky fingernail. And after the break, he always came back a little happier. But, like, he was like, oh, they'll never use technology, like, computers and stuff for, for desktop publishing. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I went to programming, and I realized I kind of like programming. But I don't want to do it professionally. And now in my current position, like, I'm managing a team building this software. Like, I can write the code. I don't have to write the code. I'm basically building up how this code should work. Well, let me let me stop you there because let's let's talk about less the job thing, more the the personal mentality of yourself at that point. Like, how much does the it, it's that question again? Like, if you had a conversation with your 16 year old self now, would that 16 year old self be happy with who you are? Kind of idea. And it's it's kind of a loaded question, but I mean it's well, it's that that young thing about reconnecting so, with the person you left behind. So as a child, I hated everything I did with my dad, like all the all the work, all the manual labor. But the thing is, though, because of the way my, my dad's OCD, and he's got like things that be done a certain way, and he's always yelling and screaming and whatnot when I was a kid. And like, I don't get intimidated by people yelling and screaming, and I always make the joke that. If I'm ever at work and they start yelling and screaming, I'll just laugh. And then they put their hands on me, and then, okay, now I can play back, because now you've assaulted me, and now I'm defending myself. But, like, looking back at all the stuff I learned how to use, all that stuff was invaluable. Like, a couple years ago, I helped you rewire your garage. Like, people ask me all the time how to do stuff. I just rattle off how to do How do you know how to do that? And I keep coming back to my slumdog millionaire. Like, in the past five, I'd say past two or three years, I feel like I'm just slumdog millionaire in my way through life. I've gone through so much shit doing stuff or having projects that didn't go well or doing projects with my father or other people that I felt like I was a failure or I didn't do that great of a job. And now, like, years later, it's like, oh, I know exactly I did this because of this. Like, all these experiences I've had, my one buddy talks about all the time. It's like, how do you know people who have a laser cutter in their garage? Like, that's a $5,000 piece of equipment. You know some guy just bought one because he wanted it. Like, I have access to all this stuff from people I know because, like, I make friends with those kind of people. Like, I also make the joke that most of my friends all have some kind of superpower. That if I need it, I can tap into it. Hey, you've assembled your own, you've assembled your own Justice League. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just, it's mind-blowing when you step back and look at Like, because, like, my whole life, I keep telling people this. I don't, like, at work, I don't really toot my own horn. I do, a, I get a problem, I work on a problem. Like... My coworker, like he, he, he likes to document stuff. And he told me all the stuff I got done last year. I'm like, I did all that stuff? It's just another day at work. Like, here's a problem, solve the problem, what's the next problem? Like, at one point, I was running so many data queries. It's like, I don't bother remembering what I did. I just run it, give it a name, and look at it later. Which is a, a huge problem with a lot of people. They don't, they, they're too busy climbing the mountain to either look at their feet where they are currently or to look back and see how far they've actually come and I, I'm guilty of that as well because I, I 
I have to do a gratitude practice to think about, you know, what I do have instead of thinking about what I don't have and where I want to be because well, I get so goal-oriented. Big, my biggest thing is I do all sorts of random-ass shit that a normal person wouldn't even have a clue where to start. I'm here at, like, a, a level 5 problem, and everyone else can barely solve a level 1 problem. I'm bitching, I can't figure this out. Mm. It's like, dude, you just did this. I'm like, yeah, but this isn't working. Like, I don't... I don't think about it. I, I, my own thing is what, what's the next problem? Like, why didn't this work? Right, right. But the, the downside of that is that you're also not, not taking an inventory of your successes sometimes. Oh, and, I never do. And I think that, that but that's why you got to do a, an after action review probably at least once a month and look back and say, what did I accomplish this month? What did I really want to do? And where did I get to? Otherwise, you're going to wind up the same way I do, where I, I beat the hell out of myself. I'm like, did I actually even do anything? Well, that's the other thing. Like, I years ago, I'd say like 10 years ago, I'd have, like, I always call it focus. Like, that ability to get things done. Like, things just snap into place, everything works. Like, that, I guess it's also called the flow state. But, like, I those are far and few between anymore. Anymore, I'm brute forced my way through stuff. And I, I would challenge that and say that they are probably... In hindsight, they probably happened a lot more than you think they actually did. Yeah. But my, my point is, though, like, a prime example is, let's say, for example, okay, I want to try and cure the, I want to cure the common cold, but I cure AIDS. I'm pissed off because I didn't cure the cold, but I cured AIDS, or I came up with an idea to, to come back cancer. Like, I get so much done, but in my eyes, it's like, you didn't get anything done. You had this list of 20 things to do, you only got five done. But those five things are basically five miracles. Right, right. And that's that's the the trap, right? That is the, the thing that that's the thing that keeps you up at night. That shouldn't, and that's why I'm saying like, what well, are the problems like, you see, and why why do you see them? Like, why do you see that initial one as the problem to solve, but not the other ones? So the other reason I'm so much of an OCD thing was my dad would tell me everything I did wrong, and I hear mm-hmm. that voice every time I do a project. Like you know, you ever see those memes where this is what I ordered from Wish, and this is what Wish showed me the picture of? Yeah. In my mind, it's like, okay, here's this amazing, amazing project I'm gonna build, but then I get done it. To me, it looks like the Wish product, but everybody else is like, that's amazing. I'm like, this is a piece of shit. It's interesting because for me, it's not, it's not like a father figure voice. It's like my own internal voice a lot of times saying, like, you know, you you quit early. You, you well, could have done for, more. It's not really like my father's voice, but like it's that voice telling me, "Well, here's what here's they're going to find fault with. They're going to here's all the faults they're going to find. They're going to nail you for." Yeah. So like this presentation for this project, I keep coming back to because like this is like my crowning achievement for this job. But like I couldn't even explain what I was trying to do. I didn't have words for it. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was talking to my couple, my one couple coworkers, and I finally put it into words what I was trying to do. And then I put my presentation together and showed it to those two. And they basically picked apart. They found two or three things. And that basically made my presentation bulletproof. Yeah. So I went to the actual guy that needed to look at and approve to work on it. Like, he didn't even ask the questions I expected to be the problems in. I was so well prepared for that. It was like, you. there's nothing you could do. Yeah. You and were the, bulletproof on that level, so you came at a different side. Exactly. And that's the feeling I like. It, like, my, my one boss always bitches that you never say anything in meetings. And she knows that if I'm not 100% sure, I'm not going to open my mouth. Because it always comes back to, I'd rather have my mouth shut and people think I'm a fool than me to open my mouth and say something stupid and prove I'm a fool. Right. Right. And to me, the the, uh, the idea of your initial example is, uh, like Jocko says, the enemy always gets a vote. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, you've, you've prepared on this side, 
for so much, but the enemy is not going to come from that side. They're going to come from the side you didn't prepare for because mm-hmm. they're thinking they're thinking ahead of you. And that's that's the amazing thing is when you can actually think ahead of things. My coworker, like he he does data stuff as well, and explains this, what the team wanted to do. He was five levels down the road, getting pissed off. These people didn't know what they were doing. Like they're not data people. They <laughs> think they're data people. You're like five steps ahead. They haven't begun to this step yet. Like they're just getting data. They don't know what they're doing with it. Right. And it's like I make the joke that I'm trying to explain rocket science to a kindergartner sometimes because yeah. some of these concepts are so abstract. Like the one meeting, the guy got hung up on. Well, how are we going to export the data? This isn't exporting data. This is getting the data. I can get the data any format you want. Like that's not the problem. The problem is all these other idiosyncrasies about dealing with data. Like, and like our team that I work with, we've been dealing with data for five years minimum. And like we know all this stuff. Like the data they gave me was dirty. There's all these special characters. I had to write actually algorithms to clean up the data before I even process it. It's like. There's things that you don't even think of that I'm... There's that line from the movie, the Avengers movie with um, uh, Sean Connery and... Um, not not the Avengers, but yeah. the original Avengers. Yeah. The, the UK Uma version. Thurman. Yeah. Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. But he goes at one point, I've forgotten more things about weather than you ever learn. And it's like, that's the thing with us in day. Like, we know there's all this stuff that we work with on a daily basis that no one even thinks of. Right. and the, But that that becomes a... That becomes its own problem because you're 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 making assumptions and you're making judgment calls based on things that other people might not understand or might not know. So there becomes a problem of who is able to communicate that back down the chain. Well, that's the thing, though. That one of their special powers is the ability to explain anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I can take accept, advanced concepts and make them and, and break them down to the point where anybody can understand them. Like I, I, I remember my taught my Joe, buddy Joe how to how to count and binary itself in pepper packets, and 15 years later he showed his kid how to do it, and like it was kind of cool like watching him like he remembered everything and then like he did it correctly. Like my one coworker is always talking about you taught me how to you taught me how to learn again, and it's like it's kind of it's kind of rewarding that when you can teach somebody from I don't know what I'm doing to I, I got this. That, that's very cool. I'm I'm still trying to tie this all back into the the idea of what problems do you see and why do you see them and what that might mean for meaning for your life because obviously I think the things that you're doing I think you're getting re- rewarding results from because you're you're kind of passionate about them you're kind of involved in the problem I mean this was I remember when you came up with this idea for this problem and like you started figuring out and it was very much a a self-adopted project, but I, I wonder what that says about you overall and why you see the problems the way you do. Um, because the way, like I, I, it comes back to the way your brain is wired. Like some of it's environment, some of it's experience, and some of it's just. So, like my wife and I got in an argument one time about I made, and I, I made the, I made the statement incorrectly. I didn't explain it properly. Everything is a choice, but it's genetically a choice. You don't have control of those genetics. Like, there's that, there's that, there's that chemical, that, there's that chromosome that says if you can taste cilantro or not. There's, there's so many pieces of the, of the human genome that dictates how we react to stuff or how we do stuff. There's a, probably a, a gene for saying if we're allergic to, to something to like peanut butter or whatever. 
there's some things that we have, we have choices that we can make, and there's choices that are made because our genetics are made up a certain way. And they always talk about people who can learn different ways. There's visual learners. There's verbal learners. There's people who are hands-on. Like, there's, a gen- there's some piece of genetics somewhere that s- dictates how you do things. We're just not smart enough to, to map all those genetics. There's, there's actually counter evidence about the whole how people learn things. But uh, to your point, though, I would say, excuse me, how would you recommend? Would you say that you, the problems you're solving, would you say that you feel like you are on your path? Or would you say that you're, you're not? Do they, do, oh, I'm totally on my path because these are problems that, like, I can, I can just tell people how this is going to work. And they don't grasp the concept. I've explained this project to the same guy five times. And finally today, it clicked when he saw a demo of some of the stuff that we were writing. But take, take, take the external guy away from it. From, from your perspective, do you feel solving this problem is fulfilling some need in you? Yeah, because years ago when I was, in, I was a teenager, AI always amazed me. And I remember I tried to write an artificial response program in BASIC. Like basic not like a programming language but this the simple basic programming language and i attempted to write a bunch of canned responses based on what you typed and looking back that was so feeble because i didn't do anything properly i just basically typed in phrases that someone would say instead of actually trying to figure out what you were saying but like going back like if i knew what i knew now i would have took that problem totally different but like there's certain things that compel that come to me and there's certain problems I'm like, I want to solve this. Like, all my life doing computer repair, I've been that guy that when I go to a job and they'll say, oh, we had five people look at this problem and figures it out. And I either figure it out in 30 seconds or, or an hour. But I'm that guy that figures out the problem. Like, that's what drives me because I love that feeling of nobody else could do this, but you did it. So I guess what would your advice be for other people that are kind of struggling for their place to be in life that are they're struggling for what are the problems that they see and what they what they don't see and how do they identify which ones bring them the most purpose so the first thing i would say is stop limiting yourself of why you can't do something nothing's impossible it's just improbable and as my one cougar says with enough time and money anything is possible so you need to figure out, like we keep talking about your, your favorite show, work the problem. People don't know how to work problems anymore. People don't know how to, how to think, well, this can be done. Someone on this earth has done this. I just got to find the right person to ask how to do it. Right. There's that phrase, that, that thing, that if you, need ten, if you have 10 hours to chop down a tree, you spend nine and a half hours sharpening your axe. Abraham Lincoln, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like You need to not just give up. Or just put things to a side. And that's what drives me nuts. Is like, I see somebody, oh, this is broken. Well, why don't you fix it? I don't know how to do it. Well, why don't you figure out how or figure out who can do it? Like, once that happens, it's like, it's over. Like, people throw things all the way. Like, I, I, I rescued a shelf that it was made out of glass, and the top shelf was broken. So I took it, got a piece of plywood, cut a piece, and drilled holes, and I replaced that, and I replaced the shelves with plywood. The structure is fine. I just replaced the shelving, but most people wouldn't think to do that. Like nobody has the drive or the or the idea that things can be done. And like the running joke now with me is, oh, that can't be done. Here, hold my beer, and I want to see the look on your face when I do the impossible. Right, and that's that's kind of what you and I have been talking about. One uh, 
since I've been working on the, the, the schoolie with my wife, it's just the amount of stuff where it's like, well, I need this thing to be done. There's a way for this thing to be done. Is it the right way? Is it the wrong way? No, but it is a way. Mm-hmm. And do I have the tools to do that? But here's the thing, too, is like we talk about this all the time when you learn how to code. You write a program, and you come back five years later, like, why did I write it? This is the worst way possible. But then you look at it, and you rewrite it, and then you make it better. Like You're always getting better. And when you look at something you've done before, it's always amazing to see, well, why did I do it that way? I could have done it this way. But the thing is, like, my one job in school, I know, I was working in high school, our boss, no matter how we did a project, he'd always come back and go, there's an easier way, guy, guys. And then eventually we just start saying, how would you do this? Instead of just doing it the, the stupid way, let's find out how the, how the guy who's done this for 15 years would have done it. Yeah, and see, I, I just recently gave my, my manager a compliment about the exact opposite of that. He would assign a project and he'd say, here, fix this. And then he'd look at it and be like, well... Here's, here's what you can fix on this. And he wouldn't tell us how to do it. He would just tell us here's a problem to solve. And he had his idea of how to do it right. But it was to just tell me the solution was not growing his employees. It was not growing us as problem solvers into what he wanted us to be. And I appreciate it that way. It's a, it's a lot better that way, I think. It also gives you a chance to improvise a little bit. I mean, from even a martial arts perspective, there are things where it's like, you would find yourself in certain situations where it's like, okay, you've done this move, they've done that move, they've countered. How do you, how do you recounter? Where are you going to go from there? And there's no real right or wrong answer. It's just forcing you to experiment where your brain is going to go and why. And then they can tell you if you go wrong. It's weird because I my biggest thing I hate is when I look at corporations and how big they are and their solutions compared to a small a small thing. Like my biggest pet peeve is how like you go to a mom and pop shop, you buy you buy some unordered fries and they give you like a mountain fries. But you go to like a, a you go to like a McDonald's and you get a certain amount of fries because they're so big that two extra fries could cost them a million dollars a year. But like the mom and pop shop, they're making they're not they don't have as much overhead. And they're not making as big as moves. So therefore, they can actually do more with less. But the, you're looking at it the you're looking at the same problem we're talking about here, where it's like they solved a monetary problem by limiting French fries, mm-hmm. and that monetary problem might have been okay. You get two less French fries, but they have to lay off. They have to. They don't have to lay off a hundred thousand employees. But that's the thing. Like the small mom and pop doesn't have a hundred thousand employees, so that's not the problem. Right. But that's that's not the problem that was solved. The mom and pop's problem is how can they grow to be that industry where they have that problem. But that's the thing. It's a question. I always think there's a certain size you want to be. There's like it's like, the, it's like the Goldilocks rule: not too big, not too small. Exactly. But where where is that sweet spot? I mean, does anybody want to say that they are not? They don't. Have, would anybody not want to be like, I have McDonald's-level problems and McDonald's-level income versus having like a mom-and-pop-level problem and a mom-and-pop-level income? But for me, it's like, is it really about the income or is it about how you feel about how the things are done? And, and those are two entirely different things. And there's where you stop competing on things like 
that I give so many French fries, or mm-hmm. are these French fries the best French fries I can give? Yeah, like for example, when I used to do computer repair, Geek, um, Geek Squad and Best Buy and all those people and CompUSA, they charge $150, $200 to do a job because they had a building to pay for. They had employees to pay for. I was by myself. I was having to make an extra t- I mean, I was having to make $200 a day at the point. So I was charging $55 to do a job. And I was so cheap, the people would pay me more because they felt guilty for not paying more money. And it was like I was lean enough that I could deal with it. Yeah, and that was like the golden age of uh, side hustles and things like that. And now I think we've backed back down from that a little bit. But I think people are going to start coming back around to that is more of these places that have so much overhead are just going to close up. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like things are too big to fail. Like that's way too big. Like your supply chain should be really small. You shouldn't have to be just in time is is a myth. Like just in time is if everything's perfect. Because like you have one debacle and then you're out for like a month and a half because you couldn't get supplies. Yeah, I mean even going back to just the general idea of wanting wanting Best Buy to come into my house, especially after a global pandemic and set up my entertainment system and things like that. It's like those are problems that they're pretty easily solved by yourself these days. I just don't. I don't think I'd want some stranger doing that if I don't need to. Mm-hmm. It's 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 all it's all it's all a balancing act. I I really just in general don't want people in my house. That's so, it. you know. Well, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. I don't know if we actually answered the question about what what it means when. You identify problems and how you can tell that they're your problems to solve versus other people's to, to solve. But I think it's a bug to place in everyone's ear when you start to see things and you say, well, I see this thing, but, no other, but nobody else sees it. So we're going to leave that with you guys and uh, we'll, we'll pick that up uh, next problem we come across. And hopefully by then we'll have a website and everything going really well. Unless that's somebody else's problem to solve. We'll see about that. <laughs>